So we come a long way on our journey in the book of Colossians. Uh, and here we are in Colossians, uh, the end of the third chapter and uh, entering into the fourth chapter. Uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, we, uh, by this time, should have uh, started to, started to, or uh, begun to recognize that uh, we are more than enough in Christ. I don't, I don't know. I was looking. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Somebody's hungry. That we are more than enough in Christ. That we have more than enough in Christ. That there is more than enough in Christ. Um, it is all in Him. We are in Colossians chapter three. We've come as far as verse eighteen. Verse 18, so I'm going to begin reading at verse 18, Colossians 3, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 18. It's the good part. <laughs> Wives. Amen. I'm just, I'm reading the text. I'm reading the text. <laughs> Amen. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Amen. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, how you ought to answer each person. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, we pray, Lord, that we would have understanding, Lord, of even the, the difficult parts that uh, we would uh, yield to your lordship, over our lives and our hearts, Lord, our families, our households, Father, our work, every area of our lives, Lord. 
have your way, Lord, in uh, your gathering of your people today. I ask for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs> amen. The images on the screen represent common establishments in our society that all basically do the same thing. They sell chicken. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not going to get into any kind of controversy asking about your preference or, you know, for a place or a sandwich or any. I'm not getting into that. Um, but, but I'm only going to point out that a distinction. A distinction. Even though they all sell chicken, one of them has come to represent something more, Amen. something different, um, something else. Uh, could you guess which one? If I'll know if you're saved or not by <laughs> you being able to know which one it is. Okay. But, but besides, being, besides being closed on Sundays, Chick-fil-A has become known for their customer service. Uh, the employees that represent Chick are, are trained for it and, and expected to provide excellent service to the people that they encounter there in Chick-fil-A. Um, we, we can't, though, actually expect the employees uh, to be serving people and saying my pleasure when they're off work, though, can we? Or when they're at home or when they're in the community, can we expect the same thing from the Chick-fil-A employees when they're not in Chick-fil-A? Uh, in, in the scripture today, Apostle Paul lays out certain expectations for Christians in various circumstances of life. And I, I call them holy encounters, holy encounters. That's the title for the sermon, holy encounters. In this letter to the Colossians, the apostle Paul has laid out doctrine concerning Christ and also described to the Colossian church how having life in Christ benefits and obligates them for living out their calling. Uh, after explaining how the new life should be carried out in the community in general, uh, he goes on to give now practical application and expectations for specific areas of life. Um, the, the thought here is that uh, Christ should be represented in all, uh, all, in all of the conduct of his holy people. Christ should be represented in all of the conduct of his holy people. As God's chosen, loved, and holy people, all of the church's encounters should have marks of holiness, of, of belonging to him. Ho holy encounters should, should be expected in every area of life for those who are a part of the church. Not just in the building or on a certain day of the week, 
uh, but always. Verse 17 reminds us that we, uh, uh, reminds the Colossians and us that whatever is done in word or deed is to be thankfully done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Here, the apostle considers three areas of life where holy encounters should be experienced. Uh, the private life. <clears throat> In verses 3, uh, 3, 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. The prayer life in verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. And the public life uh, in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And, and here he starts with the private life or, or the household. And he looks at three sets of relationships in the household or the private life. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. This first relationship Paul addresses between husband and wife was actually the first of all human relationships uh, ordained by God. Being broken, though, because of sin, It is to be restored in households now that are filled with Christ. Uh, We may get stuck on words like submit as we go through the text, but a person reading this in the culture the Colossians lived in would recognize that not only uh, were the wives being asked to submit, but the wives were being addressed. And not only were they being addressed, they were being mentioned in this writing before their husbands. Uh, right away, um, you see that there's something going on with what uh, they're receiving. <clears throat> Paul's writing not only gives instruction, but goes against the culture, uh, uh, speaking to and affirming the equal call of the wife to live right before the Lord. That's her, her equal call is to live right before the Lord. The call here is for wives to submit to their husbands. The direction is a picture of a a person willingly coming under the authority of a a ranking military officer. Uh, As Paul made clear, though, back in verse 11, for those that have been tracking with us, human roles do not measure a person's value before God. Uh, As one who belongs to the Lord, the wife is called to do what he determines as right. Uh, She's connected to follow. She is to be a a willing participant in the Lord's plan. It's not an accident we're talking about the Lord here, right? As she submits to her husband, she is guided by her connection to the Lord. The husband is then directed to love the wife. Uh, Ephesians 5.25 makes it known that this is not just some mushy, hallmark kind of love. He brought flowers home uh, kind of love, but the love Christ showed for the church. It's a selfless and sacrificial love. This this also... uh, pushed against the cultural norms that, that 
tolerated and even called for husbands to be ruling over their wives with an iron fist and strong words. Uh, in this Greco-Roman culture, uh, uh, the, the, the husband and the father was just the ultimate head, uh, uh, and that's how he led. The love called for in Christ doesn't allow for any of that. It leaves no room for any abusive behavior. It, it was the opposite of any bitter harshness. It's a love that works to see the other person fulfilled no matter what it costs. Uh, this is the love that husbands are called to lavish on their wives and, and, and then the wives joyfully submit to that love. <clears throat> but, but the wife's submission is not conditional. It, it's, it's called for because it's in the Lord. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> uh, the, the Lord, not the culture, is to be the central and driving influence behind every expected behavior in the household. The Lord, not the culture. The next household relationship is the parent uh, are the parents and children. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Children are, are, are not uh, called to submit, but they're called to obey. It's a, it's a little different. They, they are called to hear and do what the parents direct them to do. This covers all areas of life except disobedience to God. In everything else, the children are to be obeying uh, uh, the parent. The child's obedience should not, though, be based on the power of the parent or because they're bigger and stronger. It's not the power or, or force of the one with the authority that motivates the obedience. The Lord is the central motivation. Uh, they are to obey because it pleases him. It pleases him. Uh, and, and God's pleasure in children obeying and honoring parents, it can be heard in the, in the promise of Exodus 20, verse 12, and it's quoted in Ephesians chapter 6, it, that, that life would be extended and that it would be well for them. And, and, and coming from the, from the biblical text, it, uh, uh, it, it, that's a literal life being extended because children that cursed parents in the text in Exodus were actually, that was a capital crime. So, 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 so uh, it, it goes well for them to obey their parents. Um, children held a low place in the society at this time. But again, they're, at, they're, they're addressed first in this pair, uh, in, this, in this letter reflecting God's value for them. God holds them in a high esteem. And then restraint is put on the father or the parents who have uh, complete authority over the children. Uh, it is God's desire that the children should be thriving in a Christian home and according to the discipline and training of the Lord, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, overly demanding parents will only irritate and cause the children to feel defeated. Um, the, the, the home needs to be shaped uh, according to the Lord. Children 
who feel unable or become unwilling to be trained in the home due to lack of obedience or provoking spirit-killing parents are, are at a great risk not to thrive or survive very long outside of the home. Uh, the Lord wants the home to be in order. So, so here, a holy expectation is put on the child and the parent. Paul turns to another relationship in the home. Bond servants, obey everything in everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. <clears throat> Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This last household relationship is one of the hardest to understand out of, out of its context. Uh, first, the, the word translated as bondservant Dulas is in other places is translated plainly as slave. This, this is because of the, of, the, of the many contexts of slavery, the translators tried to capture uh, uh, those many contexts of slavery throughout the history that, that was written about in the Bible. From our context, it's nearly impossible to hear about slavery and not imagine the brutal uh, a race-based transatlantic slave trade that took place in the Americas. As uh, soon as we hear it, that is our, that, that type of slavery which involved kidnapping or, or stealing of individuals to sell was actually considered a capital offense in Exodus 21 and 16. So it's most likely not what is being looked at here. Uh, Slavery was widespread in the Roman Empire, with one-third to one-half of the population being enslaved. It was not based on race or color, but often on finances or war. Um, of the many slaves that would have been a part of the Colossian church, some may have uh, sold themselves into it as a way to pay off debt. Some may have been born into the slavery uh, but were working to buy themselves out. Uh, they may have even been, uh, uh, while enslaved, trained as doctors or teachers and then allowed to keep part of their earnings. But whatever the case may have been, we should recognize that slavery was never a part of God's created order, but a part of fallen human invention. Uh, even, even the poverty that may have led people into it is another part of our fallen condition. As the master-slave relationship was not created by God, it is the most unnatural of the relationships that's, that, that are being discussed in this section. Yet, uh, because it exists in the, in the society, in the households uh, uh, of the Colossians, Paul takes the time here to communicate God's regulations and expectations of those in and faith who are involved in it. Here the slave is, is listed first again. 
and, and addressed directly. Um, uh, they were of, of, of low uh, rank, the lowest rank in society. Uh, uh, they were uh, powerless in, in, in the legal system, but here they're being addressed directly and they're being listed first. As he, the same as he did by naming the others first that were under authority, Paul's writing elevates them. Uh, he also links their actions and value to the Lord. Uh, he is connecting them. Uh, we remember uh, uh, last week we read that, that, that in the Lord uh, there was neither slave or free, Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian. Amen. They are, they are directly, but they are directed to willingly obey the one standing in the position of master in their human relationship. It's complex. They, they, are, they are to be fully devoted to their work, not to gain favor, but to recognize that their work is actually being accounted for as being toward the Lord who will also reward them. Jesus spiritually stands in the place of the earthly master, um, Paul is explaining to the, to the, to the slave here. Uh, regardless of which position they find themselves in in the Colossian household, failing to live out this service to the Lord has consequences, he says. Even the masters are warned by the fact that earthly roles don't impress the Lord or change his judgment. They are directed to treat or provide for those under their authority in a way that is morally right and equitable. So it's just about there uh, that, that, you know, lots of questions start to arise. Um, and, and, and a lot of uh, 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 people that I've, I've heard and, and, and preachers that I listen to because of our, our, our nation and our, and our world and our view on, of justice and slavery, many people quickly push past this relationship and, and start to compare it to today, today's employer-employee relationship. That's easier to, to take in. It's, it's an easier pill to swallow. They, they stress the point that the uh, Christian's uh, Christian employees should work hard, and Christian employers should be fair. And this is all true. The, the fact, though, is that it doesn't answer the question that many people start to uh, uh, have in their minds when they're reading about this. Um, we, we struggle here with, with God's behavior, uh, uh, asking questions. Instead of making rules about it, why didn't God just cancel slavery altogether? Uh, in fact, you know, uh, why doesn't he just get rid of all evil? Uh, 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 the questions can start to spiral. Um, Another question could be asked after, after that one, though. Uh, why didn't Jesus use his power to violently remove the evil Roman Empire from ruling instead of just dying on the cross? Now, we know that would have caused a problem for us. Amen? 
if he would have decided to skip the cross. I, I, I find sometimes that Isaiah 55, 8 is the best answer that we get. Uh, where the Lord explains, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, what, I, what I will say is that the instruction given to the slave and then to the masters contains a seed for what would eventually bring the institution of slavery to an end. It began the shift of hearts and values of those in those relationships. Uh, in the same way, Jesus didn't overthrow the Roman government with force, but planted the seed of the kingdom, which eventually grew and conquered them. Uh, it's the same way he plants the seed of the kingdom in the Colossian church and, and, and between the relationship of the, the master and the slave. Uh, much more could be said, but we, we need to move to the private life now. And, and I mean, uh, from the private life into the prayer life. Um, we, we can't skip over the fact that you should be hardworking at work as a Christian. And if you're an employer, you should be being fair. Amen. Amen. No calling out sick to go to the game. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word uh, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul directs them to, to prayer that's ongoing, that's focused, and with a thankful attitude. Uh, there, there should be a constant looking in at the self, looking around at the world, and then looking up to God uh, in this prayer life. Uh, there should, you, being thankful that, that he's given us access and an invitation to call on him. Uh, uh, thankfulness is the number one defense against complaining. Uh, they, they should not allow, Paul, Paul says, they should not allow any circumstances to keep them from prayer. Uh, you know, the first thing that's, that's taught in, in most self-defense trainings is the stance. There's, there's the natural stance. You know, feet across from each other, about wide as the shoulders. And then there's the defensive stance with one of the feet slightly, but I still got it. The one of the feet slightly behind you. Uh, the, the defensive stance gives you, a, gives you better balance uh, and it prepares you for attack and something oncoming. Um, but, but prayer, uh, according to Paul, I get the idea that prayer should be the natural and defensive stance in the life of the believer. We should always be ready and constant in prayer. Uh, without this kind of prayer life, it, it, it would likely be impossible to live out the private life that they're being called to follow. Uh, it can't be done without prayer. Uh, Paul, Paul gives 
a good example, letting them know earlier in the letter, uh, in the first chapter, that even while in prison, he never stops praying for the Colossians, thanking God for them. And here, instead of asking the church to pray for his release from prison, Paul looks around the prison and asks for prayer to preach some more. <laughs> he's locked up for sharing the gospel, but he's praying for another opportunity to effectively carry out his assignment to make Christ known. Prayer is necessary to spread the word of God's salvation in Christ to the world. Lastly, Paul turns to the public life. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you are to answer each person. The encounters of those in the church with those outside of the church are always to be thoughtful. Uh, because of their rejection of, of many of the cultural norms of that time, the Colossian believers would have stood out as being a part of that way, that church. And all of their words and actions would be a reflection of Christ, whether they planned it or, or not. Paul teaches them to be intentional, uh, always aware of the opportunity to make Christ known. Their walk and their talk were to be in step with those who were called holy by the Lord. And so wisdom would uh, direct them to speak words that were timely and suitable for each occasion. This is the same for the Christian today. Once the, once, once the public recognizes you as, as a Christ follower, anything you say or do can and will be held against the entire church. Amen goes there. <laughs> uh, we, we've all seen or heard uh, someone who claimed the name of Christ talk and act in a way that's nothing like him. Then after they're done, somebody says, that's why I don't go to church. Or that's why I'm not a Christian. And even though that's probably an excuse, uh, uh, we never want for our words and actions to be the reason someone turns away from the Lord. People will notice you when you, when you talk differently. Uh, uh, when you're the only one not complaining at work, people will take notice. Uh, when you don't participate in some of the crude joking that goes on there and the, uh, they call it locker talk. Uh, uh, people, people notice. Um, or, or when you share the truth of God while demonstrating the love of God, people will take notice. Uh, it, 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 it makes us salty to the outside. <laughs> Those outside of the church, it, it, it opens doors and gives us opportunity. Our speech should open doors toward Christ. So as we look at these uh, three areas of life, are, are our encounters in these three areas of life holy? Our encounters in our private life, do, 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 our, do our homes reflect Christ being Lord in all of the ways that we treat each other? In prayer, are, are we allowing things to hinder our prayer life? Are things standing in the way of our prayer life? Are we, 
out of our stance publicly? Are we constantly on duty as Christ's representatives? You know, we can't, we can't afford to take a day off from being Christians. Are, are we constantly aware of those that are around us and taking advantage of every opportunity, uh, being prepared to give an answer for the reason of the hope that's in us? We can reflect on those, and, but recognizing that we, we're called to have holy encounters <laughs> in the home, through prayer, and toward the outside world. Let's ask God to bless that. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are Lord of all of our lives. Um, There's not an area, Lord, that uh, you should not have complete dominion. Help us, Lord, to never tuck you away, to leave you at home, to go without you. Lead and direct us in our, in our, in our thinking, in our loving, in our leading, um, in our relationships, in our encounters. Uh, we pray that you would be glorified in our lives, Lord, by our lives through our lives. We pray, Lord, for those or any that don't know you, Father. We pray that um, we would have an open door and that we would uh, thoughtfully and lovingly be able to explain and express your goodness and the redemption and salvation that's in Jesus Christ. Lead the world to yourself. We thank you, we praise you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.